Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen, amen. Praise God, amen. Amen. You know, I'm grateful that uh, we could be reminded this morning that he who began a good work in us will see it through into the day of completion in Christ Jesus. And there's a battle uh, that we're fighting, but it's a battle that's already been won that we come this morning not fighting for victory, but we come fighting from victory. And thanks be to God, through the cross of Christ, the battle has been won. It is finished, and we are beneficiaries of God's amazing grace, of his love, of his mercy. Uh, So thankful for all of you. Had an incredible uh, day yesterday as we came together uh, as just a family and went out into the community uh, just sharing the love of Christ in uh, just simple ways. And sometimes you wonder what impact that can make. And we'll be kind of leaning into that a little bit more uh, this morning. We're grateful to have uh, Miss Julie Adams and her uh, team here from uh, Together We Can. You found some uh, information in your seats and things along the way, and we'll connect in a little bit more of how uh, all that connects along the way. But it's been a joy uh, just to see their joy and their passion for what God uh, has called them into. And as I was thinking about that and thinking about uh, just the way that we were able to go out in the community and the different teams and just seeing us interact, I, I was reminded that the fellowship that God intends for us in the greatest fellowship, the greatest joy that we experience is on mission together. It, it's when we experience this, uh, this fellowship uh, as, as we're partners in the gospel. And Paul has started this letter to the church at Philippi, and we're walking verse by verse uh, through Philippians over these next uh, uh, several weeks. And we've been uh, kind of walking through there uh, leading up to today. And we, we saw Paul's just appreciation and his gratitude for the partnership in the gospel that was taking place through him and this church at Philippi. And we saw uh, just how his confidence was that as he saw the work of God uh, working in them, that that he was confident that God who had began that work was going to see it through to completion. And and last week, we really looked at just the circumstances that Paul was walking through. And and we reached uh, all the way up to uh, the beginning part of verse 18. And and I want to jump in uh, quick today. And we're just going to dig into the Word of God and just walk through verses 18 through 26 together. I want to pray for us. And we're just going to jump in uh, this morning. Father, we're grateful. We're thankful for your Word. God, we thank you that Uh, You've allowed us together just like this this morning, God, that we might be encouraged and challenged by your word, God, that we might be a people, Lord, who recognize that uh, really, God, the call that we have is to live our lives sold out and surrendered to you, that we might declare, as we'll read of the Apostle Paul, Lord, for us to live as Christ and to die as gain, Lord, that we we might have that reality, Lord, that there is so much to look forward to. But God, there is so much to do, Lord, and I pray that you would help us, Lord, to see where you have placed us, God, that there's purpose in that, Lord, and that you want to use us collectively and individually, God, to impact this city and this town and this world for the glory of your name. God, we love you. We thank you. We ask for your blessing on our time today. And God, if there's anyone here that has never trusted you for salvation, Lord, we pray that today they would be adopted into the family of God, Lord, that they would would know you and your love, and your mercy through your gospel. Lord, we thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Uh, Amen. 
Let's jump in. Now, remember last week, Paul has shared that there's joy uh, even in the difficult place that he finds him in. As, as we looked last week, Paul was writing this letter. He was chained uh, to this Roman guard. And uh, even though he was chained to this guard, we saw that in actuality, right, the guard was chained to him. And, and that what God was doing through this was causing uh, the gospel to go forth. And so Paul shares that there's this joy in that. And then at the end of verse 18, uh, he says, Yes, and I will Rejoice, For I know, verse 19, that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Now, Paul recognized that his circumstances might not be good, but God is good, And he's been under this house arrest for two years. We find him, and surprisingly, he's telling them, and we would expect, like, if the Apostle Paul was under house arrest, that it's going to put a hamper uh, on the gospel going forth, that it's going to stop those things. But what Paul would tell us is this, this hasn't hurt the gospel. Fact is, the gospel is actually advancing because of my circumstances. Caesar's Personal bodyguards, they're being one to the Lord. Uh, these young men who will influence decades to come, right, are, are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul would tell us that these local pastors that are in Rome, that they are emboldened as they hear of Paul's imprisonment and the proclamation of the gospel, that they are preaching uh, more boldly. And the gospel is going forth. And Paul is filled with joy. Now, what we know about this, this situation and these circumstances that in just a few months, he's going to have a chance to display Christ, to exalt Christ at the highest levels of Roman government, right? To exalt Christ before Caesar's court. And this is what Paul allows us to see in here is this is only going to add to his salvation, add to his reward. It's only going to add to those things as he lifts up Christ at his trial for him, he says, it doesn't matter whether uh, I'm sentenced to death. It doesn't matter uh, whether those type things would, would happen or whether I will live. He said, to, to die, it means I'll see Christ sooner. And to live means that I will serve Christ more. And with that heart and with that passion, we see that Paul allows us to see there's promise in our passing. That's the first thing I want you to see today. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He goes on, he says, for if I'm to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I, I don't know which to choose. There's so much, Paul says, to look forward to. You know, when we think about what we experience as we pass from this life into the next, we, as the saints of God, right, well, there is much to gain. I think about all that we have awaiting us. The, the scripture would tell us in 1 Peter that there's an inheritance, right, that we're, that we're joint heirs with Jesus, and there's an inheritance waiting for us that is uncor uncorruptible, that is undefiled, that it is kept in heaven, kept by our Father for us, that there's a, 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 a many things that we have to look forward to. Jesus would say that, that we have a, a, an eternal home to look forward to. In John 14, he would say that in my Father's house are many mansions, are many dwelling places, and 
he said, if it was not so, I would have told you. But then he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And he goes to the cross of Calvary and he makes a place for you and I to experience the eternal home of heaven. And in that eternal home, we'll experience the eternal fellowship of heaven. There'll be no more separation and no more death and no more pain. The scripture would tell us that the former things are passed away. And for those of you that are over 40, we got new bodies coming there one day. Amen. Like, yeah, some of you are like, yeah, excited about those moments, right? Uh, I saw somebody fall at a track meet the other day. This young, uh, young girl fell, and she fell all over the place. And I watched her just bounce back up and just kept on going. And I thought, you know, if I had fallen that way, that I had to call like a, a helicopter to fly me out of this place, right? Because it just changes, right? But, but 1 Corinthians 15 would tell us that we're going to get a new body. And it's, it's going to be a perfect body. And I, I'm thankful. Like, I, I think he's going to rewind some of us, right, in that perfect glorified body. And I long for those days. But we have so much to gain. There's so much to look forward to. But Paul says, there's no fear in death either. He said, for me to live is Christ and to die his gain. Now, he wasn't talking about taking his own life into his hands. He, he was facing this hearing before Caesar's court that could uh, result in his beheading and, and actually does result in his beheading about five years later. In this moment, he is at the mercy uh, at one level to the human court, but he is also uh, at the mercy and under the perfect plan of his sovereign God uh, on the divine level. And as he is uh, just navigating these things, as he's thinking about that, freedom on one one hand, uh, death on the other. He says, you know what? If I had to pick, I'm not sure which one that I would choose. You know, there's an old song that uh, we used to sing, and, and my mother-in-law, she was facing cancer, used to sing this song, and she would say, I'm a winner either way, if I go or if I stay. And Paul's in that kind of moment, and he says, for me to live is Christ. He's not aging out, by the way. He's not jailing out. He's not bailing out. He says, wherever I'm at, it's going to mean fruitful labor for me. It's going to mean progress of the gospel as I serve him with all of my heart. So not only is there promise in our passing, there's a lot to gain. There's purpose in our presence. There's purpose where we're at. Look at verse 23. He said, I'm hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better, yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Paul says, for me to be in the presence of God and enjoying all that awaits me, that, that sounds amazing. But there's purpose in his presence, right? He said, it's necessary for your sake, right? There's so much to do. He said, I long to be with Jesus, but God is not finished with me. And others need to hear the good news of the gospel. To remain is necessary for your sake. Can we be reminded God is working in the midst of all things? And he has us here for a purpose. There's purpose in our presence. There's purpose in the place that God has us. God was using him where he was at. And there's the third thing. There's purpose in our placement as well. That's really the title and thought of this message today, right? There is purpose in our placement. We, we see this work that we have to do here. We see, it, we see it greatly on a day like yesterday, right? As we're out in the community, there is a, 
there's a tremendous amount of lostness that's all around us. We, we recognize that there is so much to do, and I'm so thankful for you all, for, for so many that were able to go out and, and serve our community and share the love of Christ. I'm thankful that there'll be a team that goes to Honduras this summer that will share the love of Christ. I'm thankful uh, that we have so many opportunities, and I'm reminded in Matthew 9 that Jesus looked out upon a crowd, and as he looked out upon this crowd, the Scripture would tell us that he was moved with compassion for them, that they were, uh, they were dispirited and they were discouraged and they were weary. And the, and the scripture would tell us that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And as he looked upon uh, those people, he would say the harvest is plentiful. But the workers are few. This weekend and this love and action weekend really at our church, I want to take a few minutes today and I want to highlight a place that is near to our Father's heart, a place that we have an opportunity to recognize and, and pray about how God would call us individually and as a church to be involved. Uh, this month, as you heard from Pastor Chris, that it is a month that's set aside for foster uh, child or foster care awareness uh, in our nation. And when you look at the statistics that are around us, there are approximately 16,000 children in North Carolina's foster care system, children who need a home, children who need hope. And it's interesting. You can look at the number of churches that are in North Carolina. You can, and we'll share a statistic here in a moment that brings this a little closer to our community. But there are those who are needing hope. And what we know is that the church is the answer. There are children who need to hear the good news of the gospel and to have a home where they can be loved and cared for. There's a mission field that is great among us, and we know as we read the scriptures that this is near the heart of our Father. James 1.27 would say it this way, Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this. Now, I want us to pause just a second as we read these words because if we have... Scripture from God that would, would tell us, if you want to know what it looks like, if you want to know what pure and undefiled religion is before our God and Father, that it's this. That there ought to be a place that when we hear that, that every one of us ought to lean in. That every one of us ought to say, okay, what is coming next? And then we read these words, to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. And so, there's these two pieces that we're seeing here. There's this call that is the people of God, that we might live separate from the world, that we might be a people who are not uh, polluted by the world, that we would live our lives separate, that we would pursue holiness as a people, that we would be set apart and different. And it would say that we would visit. And that word for visit in the Greek, it's a, it's a word that means to look after, to care for, to see to. And so there's this call that we would care for widows and orphans in their distress. And you know, as we think about those, those places that, as followers of Jesus Christ, that we're called to engage, you know, I, I'm reminded in, in just a, a little over a month ago, maybe, I had the, the blessing of meeting with Julie and uh, with another pastor in the community and with Mark Smith from Baptist Children's Homes and just to really, just to talk about this great need that is among us and this, uh, this call that we would have to engage uh, in meeting the needs of these that are marginalized, these that are 
uh, the, the, the orphans of our, of, of our culture, those that would be uh, near to our Father's heart. And one statistic that we looked at, and these change a little bit over time, but there were 104 uh, children that were in the foster system in our county and only 44 licensed foster families at the time we met. And as I talked to Mark and as I talked to Julie and as I reflected on Baptist Children's Homes and our community and the things that we are engaging in, I was reminded that there is purpose in our placement. And I want to invite you to take a few minutes and just direct your attention to the screen. And you're going to see some things that are going on in our community, uh, some ways that uh, you could be connected. uh, And then I'll come back. I'm 37. I'm a father of four. Um, I've been married for two years, my wife, Jessica, and uh, we've just had two, two children, uh, Aslan and Amira. Um, my previous marriage, uh, I had also uh, Damien and Elijah. Um, they're seven and 11. My, my first marriage didn't necessarily work out and there was uh, some issues. Um, my wife and I had um, a bad divorce and um, the state had to, enter, had to intervene. And, um, and, and I'm glad they did because my, my children were unsafe. It's very confusing for a child going in and out of foster homes, um, losing connection with biological family. I myself um, was adopted at 10 in, in the system since I was four, uh, my sisters and I. Um, but the the positive side is that the, the system was always there to make sure that my sister and sisters and I were taken care of. So, so, so when the state stepped in to make sure my children were, were safe, I knew that they were in good hands because myself being in foster care and taking out of a, a bad situation when I was little, I knew that they were going to be taken care of just by, just by knowing that they were safe, I was able to focus more on myself and making sure that I was able to do what the courts needed for the reconciliations. And, and uh, I had an idea of, you know, what the caregiver mother figure is supposed to be, uh, you know, through my adoptive mother, um, very caring, did everything with a purpose. Um, so it was um, it was really joyous whenever I met you because you, you, you it's like my mother. That's <laughs> just the way it is. Anthony's story is very close to my heart. We had the privilege of fostering Elijah and Damien, his oldest two children, and it's an honor that he feels like I was his mother as well. You know, when you foster, it's not just about the children. It's about everybody involved. And I'm so proud of him getting back on his feet. And he is an incredible father and a husband now. And um, they're just part of our family now. And, you know, in these situations, there are so many people involved. There's a guardian ad litem that you're going to hear about. There's also the social worker. There's, it, it takes a village to take care of these children and that's what we're called to do. 
Here in a minute, you're going to hear about Macy, an incredible adoption story. Uh, and, and I just, I love how these children can be loved on by us and we can help them to feel love, help them to know love and help them to grow. My name is Macy Vanderwood. I was placed in the Vanderwood family in 2018. I love to play volleyball and to socialize and be with friends and just honestly take any opportunity to help the community. In foster care, it's not an easy thing for anyone. Um, it's a struggle every day and your heart doesn't feel like it belongs as a kid in it because you feel unloved and unworthy. I was kind of down about the fact that I wasn't getting adopted in the foster family I was, but that was the deal when I moved in to, with the family. Um, so I had met them with no idea, thought it was just a respite at home, to be honest. And um, so I just acted like myself. Um, then there was one day my caseworker comes up and tells me, hey, this family wants to come and adopt you. And I was like, um, okay. I was like, who, who are these people? And she explained the whole thing. And eventually I was like, yeah, I'm open to that. I was like, they're a really, really cool family. And, and so it just happened like that. I can't say that being in foster care was an easy thing. It definitely wasn't. Um, like I said, it was an unknown, but I didn't really realize of like what it actually meant to be Christian until I moved into the family that I am in now, which is my adoptive family. So I um, really would just say that in Christian, in my Christian faith, I've grown a lot. And then just feeling like loved by someone and knowing like, hey, this is your forever home. Like you don't have to worry about if you're gonna be with this person tomorrow or the next day or in a couple of years. And me being older, I do remember a lot from my past. So that made it really hard um, to adjust and to be like, I love you or call the um, Carol and Jeff mom and dad. Our lives have really changed with the adoption of Macy. She was an older adoption. She was 10 years old when we met her and it, was better than we ever thought it was going to be in adopting an older child. I think Macy's life has changed since she's been with us through just seeing her grow through her own um, self-esteem, her level of faith, and just who she is as a person. Even academically, she has grown so much from when she was first placed with us. And she's able to accept love and show love as well. Um, for years, I've always thought that um, the children got the short shift when it came to the problems in families, because it seemed like the system always tried to put the family back together. And we all want families to be together, but sometimes in the, our hearts, we know that the family isn't the best place for that child to be. And I felt like this is my avenue to speak for the children. My oldest son and I were watching a movie. It was the, it was a true story, The Trials of Gabriel Fernandez. It was from California. And this little boy had been failed by the system and he ended up being killed by his, the boyfriend of his mom. And I, I just said to Chris, I said, 
if someone, just one person, had been in his, on his side, he wouldn't have died. And that was on Friday, Saturday night, Sunday morning, I came to church and there was a presentation <laughs> on GALs. And I said, okay, God, you don't have to hit me in the head. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. When I was going through my garden at a lot of training, I realized just what a trauma this is for the children, uh, the decisions the parents make and how it affects these children. Once they're brought into the custody of the state, they will have maybe one or two social workers. They may have one or two, three or four foster homes, but the guardian ad litem is the one constant from the very beginning to the very end of that case. And we are the one person that we know that they can trust through the whole process. Hello, my name is Jake Shaman. I'm the guardian ad litem supervisor for Macon and Graham counties. Currently, we're looking for volunteers to serve, to argue and look for the best interests of children in court. A guardian ad litem is important in a child's case because they get to argue for the best interest of that child. They get to meet with the child, they meet with the foster parents, they meet with DSS. They get a whole spectrum of evidence that they put together in a court report to where they discuss what is best for the child. And they're the only one that does that in the case with the sole purpose of serving that child in the best interest of that child and be a voice for that child in court. Um, I'm Stacy Messer and I work at Macon County Department of Social Services and uh, my role there is I'm the licensing social worker so I recruit and train and help license foster families and I'm also the adoption social worker which is also my pleasure that um, I get to help families um, identify children get ready for adoption and finalize the adoption legally. I hate to say it but we have an air mattress and when we cannot find a place for a child to go, even for the night, uh, social workers take shifts and we blow up the air mattress and children sleep in the office on the air mattress until we can find a family. If children age out of foster care, the statistics are really bad. If they spend their life in foster care and then they move into being an adult, the results are, are just not good. It's a higher rate of, of teenage preg or pregnancy, um, a higher rate of involvement with um, criminal activity, not completing college, not graduating from high school, um, just continuing the cycle on and on. So when a teenager finds a home, there's a special little dance I do. <laughs> we join in with Stacy on that happy dance on a number of situations. When we're able to recruit more foster families or guardian ad litems, or have more foster parents attend our monthly support group meeting, even when we can see the difference we're making in these kids' lives, we all do the happy dance. So we would love to partner with you as well. Together We Can is a newly formed 501c3 nonprofit organization with the mission to educate, support, and advocate for the fostering community. So we're gonna do everything that we've been doing. We're just gonna do a lot more. So in addition to facilitating some classes, we also want to teach life skills to the teens and kids in the system, especially the teens that are aging out. We wanna teach budgeting and resume workshops or how you dress for an, a job interview. This is how you grocery shop or balance a checkbook. We wanna make sure that we can invest in them and really break the cycle. We want to um, ask them what they wanna be when they grow up and get them connected in an internship. So this is something that 
is gonna be an educational plan. We're gonna tap into the resources right here in our community and, and get our community to help. We're gonna do after school tutoring. There's a number of things that we're gonna be working on. We're also fundraising for a transition home. So as Stacy mentioned, when kids come into care, oftentimes or sometimes they, they have to spend 24 or 48 hours on an air mattress at DSS. And you know what guys, we need to do better. We need for the Department of Social Services to pass the baton to us. We can take it from there and we can help them while they are finding the right placement for the children, which is gonna in turn lead to less placements. You know, we don't want just an emergency placement where, hey, you can stay with this family for a couple days, but then you're gonna move to this family and then you're gonna move to this family until we find the right placement. So this transition home is gonna be a place where they can come in, they can take a bath and they can play outside and they can sleep in a bed and have a home cooked meal. And we're gonna partner with Pat Patty Raby at Kaylee's Closet and say, hey, you know, we've got a six year old girl that just came into care. Patty will go to the closet and she'll get clothes. She'll get brand new socks and underwear and shoes, a bag, a, a, a stuffed animal for them to love on and a blanket, backpack. They're gonna have possessions of their own from the moment they come into care. And I'm gonna tell you, this is gonna make a huge, huge difference in their life. So we wanna partner with the department. We wanna partner with the guardian of items and the caseworkers, and we wanna partner with you. It really does take a village and it takes all of us together to be able to take care of all the needs of these children. So Together We Can is our, our nonprofit that we're doing this under, all of these amazing uh, events and experiences. And we would love for you to check out our website. It's togetherwecan.xyz and we look forward to connecting with you. Together we can do great things. Together we can do great things. Together, we can do great things. We're, we're called to do this, and, and I know that all of us can come together, and together we can do great things. And thank you, Julie. Yeah, let's give a, a hand for just the beautiful stories of uh, God at work uh, in our community. And, uh, you know, if, if there's a kind of a final point as we, uh, as we lean in uh, in closing today, I want to... Let me say there's, there's so much work to be done. And the final point, this is a priority in our people. You know, as we think about just this call and, and how we might be involved, let's finish the last couple of verses. Verse 25, uh, Paul says this, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Paul says, convinced of this, I'm going to remain and I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to engage on mission with Christ. And convinced of this work that is among us, I wonder what our purpose, the purpose we have in our placement and where we're at. And, you know, it was obvious to see Julie's uh, passion and, and where God has placed her in these moments. And I want to share uh, just a, a great story uh, from among us, and there's, there's several stories that could be shared, but uh, I want to invite uh, Israel Jackson to join me up here for just a moment, and uh, I was at um, the high school class day, and as I, uh, as I watched Izzy, and, and he, he was little, he was Izzy, now he's Israel, um, we try to quit <laughs> doing that, but uh, as I watched Israel um, come down and, and receive several awards, I was reminded uh, that Israel came to us in 2014 and 
in the back row, I see Scott and Connie Cummings who just faithfully are our cottage parents, our house parents here at the Drake Cottage. And I see them pour into young people just year after year and their faithfulness. As I thought about Israel, in 2014, he came to us here at Cowie and uh, that year, got to see Israel saved and baptized. Then uh, got to see Israel go into foster care with a family here at Cowie. And as I uh, began to, to just watch and see uh, God at work in, in those moments, this family, we were, you know, the reason, part of the reason that I wanted to, to just highlight Israel this weekend is it's really interesting. The Welch family uh, came to our church, and it was interesting how they came. There was a, a family that was in a drive through and they had one of the Cowie cards that just said we're you know, just sharing the love of Christ. And uh, they had a, a card there, and they paid for their meal and left a card in that window. And then as they came up, they received that card and ended up coming to Cowie and became part of our family here. Well, they uh, took um, Israel in, in foster care, and then he found a permanent uh, home there and to see him uh, just thriving the way he is as he received the, the Mr. FHS, he uh, was uh, nominated Mr. Laurel Leaf. Uh, I could list uh, just so many places, the School Spirit Award, it was just one thing after another. And my heart just stirred as I thought about, as I, as I thought about just all God's done in his life through a family, through a church. You know, I look back and I, I can see... Nathan Nehard, I look back and I see the Holbrooks family and Dan. I look over and I see the Moore family and I see Scott and Connie. And I'm going to try to recognize every person in this room. But my heart stirs as I see how God takes just simple things and, and just people walking in obedience. And it makes an incredible difference. And I'm just thankful, so thankful for you, Izzy. Proud of you and what God's doing in your life. And, um, you know, Israel will be part of our, our graduation service uh, this next week. I know Nathan will be as well, and we'll get to hear more about his accomplishments and all that God uh, has done through him. But, but one family, one church, one people can make an incredible difference because we have an amazing God who works in the midst of details, who works uh, in incredible ways. And I want to encourage you, every one of us, uh, to commit to pray. To pray and, and just pray for those that are, are marginalized, those that are in need of, of care, children that need foster families, for foster families and those that, uh, that might adopt, those that are supporting them. And just to pray individually, God, what would you have me to do? Lord, what would you have me do in these moments? What would you have me do in the future? The second thing is to commit to participate in this ministry to the marginalized, to, to consider being a foster family. It may be that, and God is not calling every one of us to, uh, to walk in that, but it may be that God is calling some of you to pursue what it would look like to be a foster family. Some of you, it may be that God's calling you to be support to a foster family, to, to provide a, a meal to, uh, to maybe Sunday school classes or small groups that could come alongside uh, in support. It may be through some of the work that Julie's doing, uh, maybe through helping the, the Drake Cottage and encouraging uh, and them, I'm sure, uh, just a, a meal or a, any kind of blessing could go so far. Um, you see the, the guardian ad litem, uh, 
information that we saw, being an advocate for them in court. And uh, today you have an opportunity to, to connect with some of these ministries as you leave, some of the ways that you could be involved uh, individually. Uh, you'll be able to go to cowie.church forward slash foster and you can find some links there uh, as well. But there comes that question, right? Could one person, could one family really make a difference? Could we make an impact on these kids? And in the words that uh, Julie has shared, right, together we can. In 1792, there was a, uh, a person named William Carey that was really the, considered the father to the modern missionary movement. And uh, as he was uh, challenging uh, brothers of other churches to accept their responsibility and call to go into unreached uh, people groups and unreached places with the gospel, he would challenge them to obey that responsibility. And there was a man named Andrew Fuller uh, who was one of those that were challenged. And he, he described uh, the way that Kerry had engaged them with this analogy. He said that the mission to India seemed like a few men who considered going into a deep, unexplored mine. And it was if Kerry said, well, I will go down if you will hold the rope. And God may be calling some of you to go down, some of you to engage in being a foster family. But could it be that God is calling all of us to somehow hold the rope? I want you just to pray about what God would, would have you to do, how he would call uh, you to engage, how we can engage as a, as a community uh, around those who are uh, giving themselves to this. And I'm going to invite just the worship team to come. And we're going to close in, in worship, and then we're going to have an opportunity to Engage, But I, I want to remind you this morning that our motivation for this, that spiritually speaking, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that you have been adopted into the family of God. John 1.12 would tell us that as many as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name. And you know, as I was watching the video and I was seeing Macy talking and she was talking about just this feeling of, of disconnection or maybe this feeling where uh, she wasn't, wasn't loved or maybe she didn't feel worthy or didn't feel loved. I want to remind you that through the cross of Jesus Christ, the Bible would tell us in Romans 5, 8 that he demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners that he died for us. And maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ. You've never been adopted in to the family of God, believing in the work on the cross and looking to what Jesus has done on the cross and recognizing that what he did there was for you, that it was in your place. I want to invite you this morning that you could be adopted into an eternal family by an eternal father giving you a forever home who sent his son into the world in our place that he might live the life we couldn't live, that he might be treated as we deserved, receiving the wrath of God on the cross so that if we would believe and trust in him, that God would treat us like Jesus deserves, full heirs with him, sons and daughters of God. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the blessing of just being part of your family. And God, I pray this morning that if, if, God, there's anyone here that doesn't know you, God, that you would draw them in the power of your spirit. And this morning they might surrender their life to you. God, that they might be born again, that they might be adopted into the family of God. Lord, and I pray for all of us, Lord, that we might reflect in these moments. Lord, how are we living in what, 
we read in James chapter 1, Lord, that we might care for widows and orphans in their distress. And that we might keep ourselves unspotted from this world, Lord. And there may be some that need to lay down sin and turn. Lord, that Lord, we got caught up in the midst of, of this world and we're just headed down wrong paths, Father. We, we recognize those places. God, your word tells us that if we confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. God, maybe you're calling some of us to take a step in going down into the mine. Or maybe just a commitment to say, you know what, I'm going to hold a rope. I'm going to be support for families that are, that are walking in this and, and for people in our community. However God speaks, I pray we'll be obedient this morning. Lord, we trust you. We love you and we thank you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand in worship this morning?